All right. Here we go. You good? I'm all good. Sweet. Everybody, welcome back to the Voices of Vic podcast, VOV. I am here today with Callan Murphy, fourth year computer science and astrophysics student. Oh, sh we got to redo it? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, well, I'll just redo the whole thing. Shit. Okay. Everybody, welcome back to the VOV podcast, Voices of Vic. Today, I am joined with the fourth year Callan Murphy studying computer science and astrophysics here at U of T uh, Tesla intern right now and all sorts of stuff that you know makes uh, makes his resume so complete so we're gonna talk about that today Callan thank you for coming on I appreciate absolutely. it absolutely thank you so much for having me I appreciate it so we just want to start off you know tell the people who you are your background what makes you uh, what makes you such an awesome guy to talk to right now <laughs> cool uh i don't know about that but um uh yeah you said it i'm in fourth year uh fourth year of many years um <laughs> at u of t uh at vic and uh yeah i'm from kingston ontario um when i was picking schools uh i decided to go to u of t it was kind of between waterloo and u of t when it came down to uh computer science um those were kind of like the top two um for canada and i was kind of like you know um, I would love to, to go to one of those two. And it came down to Waterloo is this concrete jungle that I, I thought I was not going to enjoy myself in at all. Um, and it would just be so school focused. So yeah. I picked Toronto, the much bigger city, and uh, I'm happy I did. Um, and yeah, I've been here for four years and uh, had a blast along the way. Um, the academics, not as much, but all the people and all the extracurriculars and all those things that I get to do, uh, I'm very grateful for. So um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, 100%. And like Waterloo is very... I've heard they got a competitive program there, especially yeah, yeah. for CS, all yeah. sorts of stuff. I, me, the reason I'm going to U of T, the reason I chose it, I honestly didn't look too much into programs and that type yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yep. I just Googled the rankings. U of T number one. I awesome. love it. Cool. You're done. <laughs> that, looks, that looks good. I University of Toronto, number one in the country. Perfect. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, that must have been a process applying for CS. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, actually, in high school, um, before I started looking at CS, I had kind of wanted to go into astronomy or some kind of like hard science, like physics. Um, and I was trying to figure out like what I really wanted to do. Um, I always kind of liked math and science, but, um, like I, I gen, I generally liked school just across the board in, in elementary school. And then in the early years of high school, I was kind of like, you know, I could see myself going into like history. Like I, I really found it interesting. Um, but then I was kind of like, you know, um, but math and science is like, there's much more to, you know, research and discover, and there's obviously more money. Sure. And it was also just trying to figure out like, uh, what I wanted to do long-term. Um, and I think I started heading in the kind of astronomy and physics route in like grade 10 or 11, where I was like looking at that program. Um, and I kind of realized, do I want to be sitting in a basement for the rest of my life <laughs> doing lab research and, you know, having to wait on grants and do those kinds of things. Um, and I was like, you know what, that's not for me. Um, so I was kind of just thinking about where, where I would end up in the end. Um, and I also just found that I found computers so interesting and I found like, I mean, obviously today there's so many applications um, of computers. And so it was just like, where could I not use the skill set in any industry? Um, and also I just found it fun. I found it like problem solving was fun. I also found it, um, I think it's, it's interesting with computer science. People think often it's quite analytical or mathematical, but um, I would say there's actually an element of like creativity to it because you're kind of working with a blank canvas in that you can kind of create any program, create anything, someone kind of 
pitches an idea or they have a visual design and they go, can you make this? And you go, yeah, I can make it. So maybe, depending on what it is. Yeah. Um, but no, so, so I, I, I started to get really interested in that field uh, and I'm really glad I went that route. And then when I got to U of T, because of how like the double major was set up and or you could do two minors and that whole degree system, um, I found that you know there was a way that I could kind of still do both. Um, whether or not I end up you know continuing in the astrophysics or not, I still really enjoy that field. So it, it worked out really well that way. That's awesome. And the the U of T CS is very much academia centered, no? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and how have you found that? Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. Uh, to be brutally honest, I, I really dislike the uh, program from an academic standpoint. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it well prepares you for the job field. I don't think that it, you know, kind of provides necessary skills that um, will even apply to other areas in life. Um, I think one of the toughest parts is uh, that U of T is such a big graduate school yeah. uh, and they put so much emphasis on the research and research brings in money, it brings in accolades, it brings in, uh, you know, alumni donations. And so it's not really surprising that uh, you know, graduate school is the focus here, but I would say, um, I mean, I'm not in other programs. I can't really speak for them, but I would say CS in particular seems to be quite, uh, focused on trying to streamline, in my opinion, undergrads into master's programs. Um, and so it seems like a lot of it is focused on the research side of things and focused on, you know, what are we really, um, talking about and doing like mathematical analysis of code as opposed to coding and learning how to solve problems and learning how to work in the workplace. Um, Obviously, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, applying my own bias there as well of like what I think about it. But it's uh, and there are definitely courses within it that are more practical. Um, so not to discount those. But I, I think generally speaking, um, a lot of skills that I've obtained in that field or like have made me better in my career have not come from school at all. They've come from side projects. They've come from internships. They've come from working with people and talking to people. They've even come from the humanities and like, how do I think about things and how do I, you know, write an essay? How do you develop um kind of those skills that I think apply better to that industry more than kind of regurgitating mathematical proofs. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that like we were talking about how I just pretty much chose U of T for the, for the name, you yeah, know, the yeah. shiny name. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that, that that is going to benefit someone more? Like if someone's thinking of where do I go? Is it, is it Waterloo? I mean, I don't know if Waterloo is very practical either, but yeah. uh, a more practical school that focuses on the, the skill set that you need in CS, or do you think that the shiny U of T name is, is ben more beneficial? What do you think? It's a good question. Um, I think one of the, one of the tough things is, um, and I think this is about university in general is like, what are we, what is the goal? Yeah. Um, and I think nowadays it's such a given that it's like, okay, what's your undergrad in? Then we'll look at like, are we going to hire you? Yeah. Um, like it's very much a benchmark. I mean, tons of people have said it about, um, you know, undergrad almost becoming the new high school graduation where you're not really getting a job with an undergrad degree mm -hmm. in a lot of fields, um, unless you're going into, uh, a lot of those fields that are really depleting, uh, in interest now, and there's a lot of job market for them, like the trades and apprenticeship, uh, type positions. But I think other than those, you're seeing so many professions that want, uh, an undergrad degree in something. Um, and I think we've kind of devalued the undergrad degree in that sense where now it's, everybody needs to have one. So it's kind of this, like, what is it now? It's not, it's not necessarily, um, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it has the value that it potentially used to have, but I also think 100%. we've changed like how we are going about, um, wanting people to go into the undergraduate program. Like are people going into it because they want to learn more about a field? Are people going into it because they want a career? Like I, I even like, I think about this, like there's so many, such a wide spectrum of different programs. You got programs like 
nursing, which are literally supposed to be like, you are in nursing, you're going to be a nurse. Like it is, its application is that one field, mm -hmm. unless you, you know, you write the MCATs, you go to, yeah. you go to med school. Other than that, that's what you're going to do. If you're in computer science, you're either going to go into academia or you're going to be a computer scientist or a data engineer or something in that area. If you get an English degree, you could end up being, you know, working on Wall Street. Um, yeah. the, the, one of the one of the grads from Vic, Wendy Cecil, is a prof there. That's what she did. She graduated from English and she went on Bay Street in Toronto and was incredibly successful. Like wow. it's so interesting um, how like wide ranging university is now. I would say, and I, I think that um, with with like the school name versus the program in particular, um, I think it really depends. Like, where do you want to work? What do you want to do later in life? Um, I certainly think that having U of T next to my name helped me in getting internships and helped me in networking um, because even outside of Canada, well, actually only outside of Canada, people have heard of Toronto and about nothing else. Yeah. So uh, even if they don't know the University of Toronto, they know the city of Toronto. Um, if I had gone to you know, Queen's University or Carleton or even if I went to um, Ottawa U, which is hilarious because Ottawa is the national capital, I would say less people have heard of Ottawa than Toronto. That's, um, yeah, completely. Yeah, so so it's wild. Um, but but I don't know, like like when 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 you were looking at schools too, and you were looking at like um, like in the area, like was it was it like did you know you wanted to do econ coming into university, or did you decide that after you came in? I came in with a physical and mathematical sciences. Okay. I, okay. Idea. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. I originally wanted to be. Um, What's it called? Oh man, why am I forgetting? I'm blanking on this. An actuary. Oh, okay. Actuary. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to get into actuarial sciences. Okay, cool. Then Matt 137 happened. And I was like, oh, I, I don't think I'm on the level that these guys are at. Just the, the IQ man, that needed. Course. That's a, that's a tough course. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was confident going in. Yeah. Like honestly, cause in high school, I, I came out of grade 12 math with a 98. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, this is, this is great. I'm yeah. going to go into one. I actually started at one five, seven. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, this is Man, what is going seven. on here. <laughs> what is happening? So, so I realized that I, I was not, I guess, up to the task to be yeah. an actuary for, for actuarial sciences. Yeah. So I then moved up to econ, which is a social science. But, um, yeah, I guess my philosophy now is kind of to just, I'm not going to say escape, but get out of university with as much general applicable knowledge. I'm not trying yeah. to, honestly, I'm not trying to be an economist, yeah. which kind of shocks some people. Why are you taking economics if you're not trying to be that? But like we just said, you don't yeah. exactly need, there are some, some programs that you're going in to study that you're going to become yeah. something related to that. Like you said, CS, um, life site students, if they're going into med school, especially, uh, what else? Engineering. Yeah. Th these are all, yeah. you know, programs that you go into school expecting to leave with a kind of a career in that field. Right. But something with econ, it's not as, as guaranteed yeah and my other minor stats and and psychology i'm not necessarily trying to to go into fields that are related to that mm -hmm. i just think that those topics are are so crucial you know economics money runs the world why not learn about that uh psychology it's important to know how people think in any industry yep. so that's why i'm doing that and uh and yeah i just kind of work my way once i get out so that that was kind of the idea behind that yeah i think it's it's yeah it's definitely interesting like i i feel like if you wanted to go in and be you know a software developer a computer engineer in a lot of ways i think you would actually get potentially better skill set going to like a canadian college um like i think there in a lot of ways you are taught how to code mm -hmm. um and you're taught like different coding languages and you're taught like how to build different products and how to work with people and it's much more people-centered right. um and if you go to university it's a lot more you know, academia centered, which is the point. Yeah. Um, but I think that unfortunately we live in a world where in order to 
get hired for those positions, especially at bigger companies, they want you to have a university degree. Um, and it's kind of ironic because I think the university degree might prepare you worse than right. a college degree, um, unless you are also doing you know extensive stuff on the side on top of it. Um, and sure, you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like there aren't like some benefits to like being comfortable in math and and you know having a, a solidified understanding of of a lot of like the ways that um, university approaches things um, from a, like a very academic standpoint. But I do think uh, it almost holds people back. Um, and I think more so nowadays, we end up with a lot of people entering the workforce that just don't, um, that just lack the, the social skills, lack the uh, interaction skills with, with team members, like how to talk to a manager, how to talk to a coworker, how do you, how do you write your emails? How do you write your punctuation? Do you use exclamation marks? Do you use emojis? Like how do you, how do you talk to someone? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that those skills are so, so valuable that we've almost taken them for granted um, at this stage where there's nothing in university that sort of teaches you those kinds of skills. Um, and I see a lot of people um, in my program in particular that are, are, you know, computer science tends to be a program with a lot of introverted people. It tends to be a program with um, people who like like video games, who like chatting, who like to be on a computer a lot. Yeah. Um, so you, you tend to have, I would say, a, a higher proportion of people who aren't socialites or aren't extroverted. Um, and so I, I think you don't necessarily need to be extroverted, but I certainly think you're going to need to work with people. Um, and I, I kind of wish that we valued that more and we taught that more and we emphasized that more um, across all fields because I really think that that is almost, if not the one of the most um, beneficial skills to have in the workplace, more than any academic skill you could possibly have. Completely agree. Yeah, it's, it's for sure. Would you back the argument of of some of these students who may be more introverted who are say just waiting to get those skills in yep. in the workforce or do you think that you know it's crucial for people to get a, a head start now in university yeah it's a good question um I, I think it's certainly easier to learn those kinds of things when you're young and, and get used to them um I, I think it's definitely possible to learn those things in the workforce it depends I, honestly i'm sure it depends on the field too um i think i think one of the things for me is um I don't know, been doing school for what, 16, 17 years. Um, you know, I, I've, I think if I'm going to get better or worse at, uh, studying and regurgitating information, I, I probably would have figured it out by now, what kind of state I'm at. Definitely. Um, I don't know how much more I need to evaluate myself on that particular skill. Um, that, however, I do think I need to continue to evaluate myself on how I interact with people. I think it's actually far more complicated of a skill. Um, and, and I think it's so interesting because uh, we can't really tie a metric to it. Um, you know, we attempt to tie a metric to, um, you know, elementary school and high school and university. And there's so much controversy about that, right? Yeah. Like letter grades and percentages and GPAs and how are you evaluating people? But it's still easier to approach that. Um, and, and quantifiable to some extent of how, how well can you regurgitate information if you're in something like life science or how well can you, um, you know, write an essay or, or come up with a thesis if you're in English. Like there are things that you can quantify with that. Yeah. Um, and I would say that, that we don't do that with um, like social skills and interacting with people. And I, I think a lot of those things used to be a little more um, just natural in the teaching as well. Like I, I think... Uh, like the University of Toronto is grown by like, I mean, I'm gonna throw out a number that's probably not even correct whatsoever, but like 150%, like it's like it's a, like 1.5% grown or 1.5 times grown um, in like the last 20 years. Like it's, 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 if you have a school in a single building, like in UC, like University of Toronto originally was, yeah. everyone knows each other, everyone's talking to each other, your prof notices if you're not there, they know, they're, or they, uh, you know, 
like, are you not there for a few days? The broth might start to worry. Like, it's such an interesting concept about how humans interact with each other and how, like, being a human being is, is like, a necessary component to education. Um, and I think, like, even more extreme, again, everybody said it, um, with COVID. Like, how are we... How are we handling that if you can just sit at home and, and go on a laptop and learn? Like, is that even learning? Um, and what, what do we even define as learning? Like, is the human part uh, integral to the idea of learning? Um, and I think it's very, very interesting. Like, how do we determine that? That's a good point. I, I have never seen more people so in love with school than when COVID hit and they couldn't oh go to God. class. Oh, my God. All the time. Even the kids, in, even in elementary, yeah. you're seeing, like, sure, the start was fun. They're yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah two yeah. weeks off of school. This is amazing. <laughs> but eventually, like, my youngest cousins yeah. who just hated school are like, I can't wait to get back in the yeah, classroom. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, what, it's so true. This? It's so true. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely important. And I, I have cherished every lecture since that. Yeah, yeah. It's been absolutely. It's been great. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. How how would you say that you you went to high school in Kingston? I did, and. The education experience, obviously, in, in a high school versus a university is completely different. Yeah. Especially size. How, how big is your high school? Uh, it was like a thousand students. Okay. So yeah. that's that's kind of in the middle, yeah. middle road. Yeah. Uh, how would you compare the two? Like just from Kingston, it's a it's big enough city, big enough town, I guess. But yep. compared to Toronto, nothing at all. So yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So what what would you say about your, your start in high school and, and how you grew there? Yeah, good question. Um, I think... Uh, one of the biggest things to me is is like the the quality of the people you're around and the quality of the teachers that you have are are you know drastically important to the education you get um and i think it's 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 i mean it opens up a whole bunch of questions about school size and private schools versus public schools and, and again we're like you and i from ontario too like ontario is different from bc which is different from you know alberta which is different from the rest of the world and how they approach education um but at my high school, which was a public Catholic high school, um, it was very, uh, I would say I, I was very lucky to have the experience that I had. Um, I would say I had a abnormal amount of teachers that were uh, very involved in extracurriculars, very involved in like running sports teams, running events, running things. Um, the high school had, you know, like uh, a group of drama teachers and music teachers that ran like musical theater and ran drama stuff but then it also had like the best football team that went to offsa like it, yeah, it was yeah. it was really cool to have such a school that had um all these opportunities and i think to me the biggest thing was valued those opportunities um that i feel i actually really think that uft suffers from not doing as much anymore which is uh, you know, things like intramural games, um, you know, we go to intramural games and, and, you know, you maybe got your one or two friends that are, that are in the crowd and that's it. Um, and I think even, even 15 years ago at universities, that was not the case. Um, and I think in, in high school, and I, I don't know if this is just the sake of it being a smaller community or what it is, but, um, or if, it, or if it is just, you know, what the cohort is or what the educators are. But I, I think there was just such a, such a emphasis on, um, extracurricular involvement um, and to me, that is something that really builds up those skills that we're talking about, like builds up those social skills, builds up those yeah. ability to interact with p people, ability to lead, ability to um, talk to people from different groups. And, and I think especially so if you are doing arts and you're doing athletics and you're doing, you know, you got your school stuff too. But I think the, the, my favorite part about um, my high school experience was that um, the atmosphere was such that I felt that school didn't have 
more or less weight than uh, developing my social skills and extracurricular activities, which is which is interesting because um, you know a, a lot of people uh, are very quick to say you know school first, and if your grades aren't well, you shouldn't do extracurriculars and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that at all. I think that. Um, both are equally important, if not social skills being more important. Um, and I think that's definitely a product of, of the way I was raised and the way that I've experienced, you know, life in my my own shoes. And I'm sure people have different opinions on that. But I, I think it's just very interesting. It's something that um, certainly exists at university in the sense of like, yes, there are lots of extracurriculars. Yes, there are lots of clubs. Um, but I would say one of the things with university is it's very much student driven, like very much students are founding clubs. They're securing their own funding. They're running a bunch of things. Um, you know, never would you see a prop at an intramural game um, anymore. Yeah. And, and I think that that's like so drastically different from um, my high school experience where like, you know, teachers are directly involved and directly encouraging participation in these things. Um, like you're in class and they're talking about, you know, there's a hockey game after school today. We should go and support our, you know, senior players. I can never imagine a prof having any, you know, saying anything about a varsity game, yeah. um, which yeah. is just unbelievable because the varsity sports are at such a higher degree. Like, I think they should be saying those things. Um, but of course, that's not their role. And university is not high school. Um, and so I recognize that. I think they're certainly, um, they can't operate in the same way. Um, but I would say that the quality of education that I got at high school was drastically, uh, in the classroom, was drastically more effective than the quality of education that I'm getting at university. That's an interesting take. How, sure. do, you, how do you feel? No, like that's, that's, I went to a very unique high school. I went to a French high school. Okay. And it was in, uh, it was in Brampton and 80% of the teachers were African immigrants. Yep. And, the way their teaching style honestly almost felt like they were they were closer they felt more like parents than they did like teachers interesting like yeah, they yeah. they didn't really i feel like in in some canadian schools like you know small town schools whatever where where you don't have this this kind of immigrant um teaching staff it's very it feels like it, a teacher is just working their job whereas the teachers in my high school yeah. really felt like you were almost their kids. Like they, they didn't That's take cool. it easy on you. They, they kept the same, the, the same level of, you know, strictness that they would on their own kids. So you, if you stepped out of line, they would let you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and obviously there are laws that are, you know, strict in, in preventing terrible stuff from happening, which I agree with, but, yeah. but they were, um, yeah, it felt much more like a, a family dynamic and, and, the students that went there were also largely from, you know, the Middle East or, or Africa, and and family was so essential to, to these groups that, um, in in high schools in my hometown, which is you know back in Orangeville, yeah, um, the idea would be to get home from school and then to go hang out with your friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas these people in my high school would get home and it's family time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's where you socialize. So, right. so I, I really like that, that dynamic in the high school. Um, but as for you, I, I think, I don't know if you can attribute it to the high school specifically, yeah, yeah. but the extracurriculars, cause you got like your, do- your toe dipped in everything right now. Like you're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, working yeah, with yeah. Busak and intramurals, you know, Tesla, all this stuff. Yeah. Would you, would you attribute that kind of philosophy to your high school or is it your parents maybe that taught you that? It's, it's a really good question. Um, it's something I've definitely thought about and I don't even know, I don't, I actually, I don't have an answer on it, um, but I, I, I can speculate. Um, I would say, in my opinion, it is more driven from my parents than anything else. Okay. Um, when I was, like the way I was raised was very much like, um, 
like you know, I, I, I've said this before, but one of the things is when my sister and I were very young, like, I don't know, four or five years old, basically when we could talk, if we were like at a restaurant, my parents were like, okay, you're ordering for yourself. And mm-hmm. of course your kid's like, well, I don't want to order for myself. It was like, no, you're going to, because that's a skill that, that you should develop. And yeah, it's scary, but that's incredibly important. Yeah. Um, and I would say that uh, like neither one of my parents went to university or graduated university. And um, like my dad's whole career came from his uh, ability to network with people and talk to people and socialize with people. Um, and so I think like certainly the, the philosophy comes from that, but it also just comes from what values like my parents hold and I hold as well, which is, which is that, um, you know, how you treat people, how you are perceived by people, how you uh, demonstrate yourself in the world is far more important than any number on any piece of paper. Um, and I'm very grateful for, you know, um, and, and very lucky for the fact that like when I was growing up, like my parents couldn't have cared less whether I got a 62 or a 92 on a test. Like mm-hmm. it was like, oh, ha, ha, I got a 99. Oh, didn't, where's the other 1%? Or if I got a 62, it was like, it was like, oh, whatever, like we'll get it better next time. And, and I, uh, I'm grateful for that. And, but I also think like certainly that impacts like my personal philosophy on things. Like how do I, how do I think about grades? How do I think about learning? Um, and I, I think my high school um, certainly exacerbated that. Like I think it had independently of my parents that had that same kind of view or at least it kind of you know had that portrayal of that and so I think whether I had one or the other I think either one would have kind of geared me in that direction but in terms of like again coming back to the idea of learning these things when you're older I think I was very lucky to have been raised in that way and had learned that early on and then my high school reinforced that Um, and I don't think it's the only way to approach life and I also think like even what are we talking about, about like what this approach is? Like, it's not even, I'm not even well-defined, right? I, I guess general, generically speaking, I'm kind of saying the idea of emphasizing the importance of uh, social skills and interacting with people and working with people. Um, and I think that there are lots of people who are successful in this world without those skills. There are lots of people who are incredibly introverted. And I mean, some of the wealthiest people in the world are incredibly introverted people who don't talk, don't, can't speak well, can't, you know, can't yeah. public speak. So I, I think it's, it, it's very interesting if you look at it that way. Um, but I, I think to me, one of the, again, I don't want to get, all, pretend to be a philosopher here about a whole field I know nothing about, yeah. but uh, like my personal philosophy is that the most valuable uh, thing we can do as a human being is like uh, contribute to society and be helpful to other people and, be you know be generally looked upon positively in society um and and to contribute to society beneficially um and i think that in order to do that those skills are more important than being able to solve a puzzle i completely agree yeah that's a good point were you, were you always like this would you say yes yeah 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. um yeah yeah no no it's it's um like like i certainly growing up i i, I liked school i wouldn't say i was i was always I didn't always recognize the importance of this. Like, certainly this is something, especially since being at university that like, um, I started kind of thinking about in a way that's different. I mean, the university of Toronto was obviously so massive. Um, and when I picked it, everybody kind of said that they were like, Oh, that school's too big. You know, like, like people have trouble making friends and you might want to go to a smaller school. Um, and again, a lot of these things I'm saying, I do think you can get, you know, more of that family dynamic, more of that, like, closer dynamic in a smaller school, more sense of community. Um, I'm very grateful for the college system at U of T. I think it's done, it does a much, it does a, a good job of, of creating that sense of a smaller, like school within a much yeah. larger school. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing for me was like, the University of Toronto, regardless of how big it was, I also thought it was going to be um, 
and it is a great experience in that I'm going to have to deal with that environment, which it would be a challenge. And it is a challenge. Like yeah. certainly there are people from all over the world here who are incredibly bright and incredibly uh, dedicated and incredibly, um, you know, motivated. And I, I think it's, it's a really good environment to be in to kind of challenge yourself and see like, how can you hold up at, you know, the, the top university in Canada? Like yeah. it, like it is certainly a, an exercise in that. Um, and if I could go back, I wouldn't, wouldn't change my school to another school. Um, I think I've learned so much from coming here. And even though I would say, you know, my experience on the academic side of things has not been, uh, all that positive. Um, my experience on the social side of things and on the people that I've met and the things that I've learned, especially, um, you know, how, diverse University of Toronto is like getting to talk to people who are like from all these like like talking to people from so many different countries from so many like I would never have had that if I went to Queen's University in Kingston yeah. it'd be all my high school friends and I like yeah it would have been fun but it's it's what am I going to um you know what am I going to get out of that what it's how is that going to shape me to be better in the future and I think um you know that there are there are such a such a wide variety of experiences in life where you can get those things, but certainly if you're in a place for four years, it's going to have a large impact, especially in the years like eighteen to twenty two ish. Like that's certainly going to have a large impact on how you view life and how you handle life later on. Absolutely. Do you put a big emphasis on family? I obviously you took a lot from your parents and you and your sister are close. Yeah. But in the future, are you focusing at all on, on starting a family of your own? Is this something you think about? Something I very much think about. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, I would say, uh, I don't know. Uh, this is, this is probably naive of me, but since I was 12 or 13, I've been like, yeah, I'm going to, I want to get married. I want to, I want to have kids. Um, I want to have a family. Um, and that I would say obviously is, is more driven from, um, you know, the way I was raised than anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, um, family mostly descended from Irish Catholics who have huge families, yeah. um, and family was always really important growing up. Um, even to this day, like my, my grandmother has like Sunday dinner every single Sunday. Um, and it's like any like aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody around comes to that. Um, yeah. and it was so like family was really important growing up and I, I'm really, really grateful for that experience that I had. Um, and I think that for myself, um, it's something where I, I wouldn't even see, uh, and I can certainly see like different perspectives on this. Like I have, like, I, I think it certainly makes sense. Some people don't want to have children. Some people don't want to get married. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I, I think it's something that is for me fundamental about the way I live my life, which is to, you know, um, contribute to society in some like positive way and then pass that torch on to a next generation and, and to educate someone and to pass that, you know, do for someone else what my parents did for me. Um, because I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I think it's, it's very important to kind of, uh, you know, take, I mean, all of human history, taking the knowledge that we have and passing that to the next generation. So, Absolutely. Yeah. No, I don't think it's naive at all to say start at 12. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think I ever even questioned it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my parents just talked about it in such an obvious way. Like so many hypotheticals, oh, sorry, hypotheticals of when you have kids, when you have kids. That's true. That's you, true. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, yeah, that's true. When when we were talking about getting rid of our Legos, she's, my mom was like, no way, you're going to need this for your kids. So, yeah, yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's just also been kind of ingrained into my head and I've never really, it's never really been a thought. Like, obviously, no, there are a, a lot point. of yeah. people are concerned about, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of opinions about bringing up kids in a, a world that might not be safe. Some Some see it that way. I just think that, I don't know, that seems like such an important thing, like you said, to pass the torch, you know, to the idea of kind of living through somebody. Right. Like when my 
parents will pass on, they'll kind of live through me and my brother and it kind of yeah. moves on like that. So yeah. I, I like that idea of, of, uh, I guess lineage and legacy almost. You yeah. Know yeah. I mean? So, so that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely important. U of T Victoria college. You picked Vic. Was there any reason? Was it a was it a whim? For me, it was a whim. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't do much research, but but what was your reason for picking Victoria College? I also didn't do a ton of research, yeah. and I think the more people I talk to, the more I hear like this is a similar case where uh, Vic and Trin were the only two where like you had to apply to. So then everyone was like, okay, these must be good. Yeah. And so then it was like, you, but you couldn't do you couldn't apply to both or whatever it was, right? You had to rank yeah, like you 100%. had to rank one of them first. So it was to me then it was like, okay, well I got to pick one or the other. Um, and uh, when I looked at like residence um, stuff online, like the different residence buildings that Vic had. Um, they had a lot more like uh, single rooms and they had a lot more like private bathrooms. Yeah. And then also, I mean, the castle of old Vic. Absolutely. Um, I, everyone says like, how do you not want to be there for that? So uh, no, I, I honestly did not do a ton of research either. It was really like my decision was narrowed down pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. When we were the other day, we were walking back from a hockey game and I don't know how God brought up, but you know almost everything there is to know <laughs> about Vic history, Victoria College history. <laughs> how how did you get this plethora Ooh. of knowledge? You downloaded it like uh, like in the Matrix. They just do a trip. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Just, everything goes in. Yeah. Um, you got it from Elon. That's what yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neuralink. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't tell anyone though. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's funny because it's I mean it's such a. Um, like I, I love to joke about it. it's such a useless wad of information which yeah. is so funny um like you know in, instead of and, and this really started a couple of years ago but instead of uh you know instead of doing schoolwork or doing things that i do think are beneficial it was like yeah let's look into this history of this particular college in this particular city yeah. uh, which is so arbitrary um but i just really enjoyed it um to be frank like i, I found it so interesting especially like when i was living on campus like to know that like wow like this is a really old school like 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 hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of students have like lived in these buildings, have mm -hmm. walked in these buildings before me. And that was so like fascinating to me. Um, and again, I've, I've always found history interesting and in particular, like the evolution of uh, how humans approach things like education or approach things like, um, you know, uh, building and living in large cities like Toronto. And so even that had a component to it where it was by looking into the history of Victoria College in particular, I was also learning about like, history of Toronto I was also learning about like the history of Canada because yeah. those things were tied in um, and so it just honestly like in doing that it's entirely changed my perspective on like Toronto on where I go to school on and for for the better like yeah. certainly has has improved like what like how I feel about um, about the school that I go to and feeling kind of a sense of you know a sense of pride in the school that I go to not because it's uh, a school that graduates um, you know, scholars or a school that, you know, gets people into job markets, but because it's a school that, you know, it has, has this very interesting history of, you know, people really caring about the education of students and wanting to improve the education of students and iterating on how they educate students. Um, and so I think it's so interesting to see how that's progressed over time at one school, because I think so many schools have done that. But if you study one in particular um, in detail, it's really interesting to see the inner workings of how that came to be. Absolutely. We're going to real quick, we got a bit of a Vic quiz here for you. Oh, gonna, wow. Okay. Put your, your knowledge to the test. Mm, all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Question number one. Which residence was created first and when? Ansley Hall. Um, and 
I guess the building was complete in 1903, but construction started in 1901, I think. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's crazy. Hey, I, I told you there was a lot of information, all right? Absolutely. It's not useful information, but it's a lot of information. I told you. The building was also, the architect was George M. Miller, um, I believe. And he was also the architect of a lot of really cool buildings around the University of Toronto. Um, one of which was Wycliffe College, which is really cool. Uh, I really like that building as well. My goodness. Yeah. Okay, okay, see? Uh, he's not lying when he says this. We should have prefaced this with his knowledge. <laughs> if you go and listen back, you can tell he's being completely serious. Okay. Yeah. Question two. Ned's Cafe mm. is currently in place in the Goldring Student Center. What came before it? Yeah, so Goldring Student Center was completed in 2013, and it was in addition to the uh, Students' Union building, which was there... Um, before, and it's still there, and Goldring is kind of an addition to Wymelwood. Um, and it was called Wymelwood, and it was built in 1952. Um, and if you want to go back even further, uh, across the road, across Queen's Park, um, there's a building that we now call Falconer Hall, uh, and it's part of the law faculty. Um, that building is actually Wymelwood. Um, the Woods lived there. Uh, it was <laughs> one of the first mansions in downtown Toronto, like north of the city of Toronto. Wow. Uh, and the Woods donated the building to Victoria College for a residence for women students. And uh, eventually U of T really wanted it. So we sold it to U of T and got a bunch of land on Bloor Street, which was probably the only good property deal Vic has ever made. <laughs> um, and... Uh, then we named the new building that we built in honor of that old building. Um, but it's very funny because that, that old building now has no connection to kind of those original donors and nor does the new building because now it's the Goldring Student Center. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Third question. Last question. <laughs> this one now seems super easy after you just went and said all that. All right. Last question. Who is Victoria College named after? Victoria College is named after Queen Victoria. Um, but Victoria College was not named that until 1841. Uh, it was founded in 1836 as Upper Canada Academy, um, which was more of a high school. There wasn't really the definition of a high school, but it was called a grammar school. Um, so it was educating more children at that time out in Coburg. Uh, and then in 1841, it got degree granting abilities. So it became a university or a college. And uh, a lot of the funding that they had received came from um, donors in England and came from the crown. Um, and so they kind of graciously named it after the queen uh, as a kind of a thank you. And also, you know, in, in the hopes that it would get them good favors in the future from, yeah. from the monarchy. Yeah. Um, so 1841 was Victoria College and then 1884 was Victoria University. Um, and then 1890, it came to Toronto. Look at that. 1836 was, you said Upper Canada Academy, right? Correct. I... I don't know if you know this. The reason I've chosen 36 for my hockey jersey was for that. Founded really? in 1836. I did not know that. Because that is not my number at all. I, play I with, love it. I play with 53 all the time. Yeah. But I'm like, if I'm going to be a captain of this team, I'm going to make a, a, that a, is no, awesome. a number that means something. So he got, yeah, because 36 rung the bell. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's funny. I didn't, I ha didn't even know that. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about it. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So the real deal. Victoria College <laughs> knowledge master here. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. That was oh, great. Yeah. Three for three, A+. Plus. We'll, uh, we'll move on here. All right. A-plus in the Vic quiz. A-plus is probably in school, too, probably in CS. <laughs> Getting there. 
how did the Tesla internship start? How did that come to yeah, be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, great question. Can you just take us through how that started. All right. Um, so when COVID hit, um, I was just finishing my first year um, at the University of Toronto, and uh, it hit in March of 2020, and we were kicked out of residence. Um, and at that time, obviously, I was in first year. Like, I was still kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, but I was pretty set on CS. Um, however, uh, as you know, at U of T, you have to sort of apply again once you're in first year yeah. to get into your program. Um, and CS was known for being very competitive. Um, and so I was pretty stressed through first year, like, am I going to get into this program? Am I not? I was barely getting through 137. Um, and so it was trying to figure out, like, like, is this even feasible? Um, and I, I talked to the like, academic advising a few times and, uh, they were like, you know, one of the first things they were like, do you have a backup plan? Like, do you have another program that like, like you should probably like think about like what other program you want to get into if you don't get into CS. And I was like, no, I just, I just want to get into CS. Like yeah. I, I, that's it. Um, and they were like, okay. <laughs> um, confident. no. And, and it's so funny because I had no reason to be confident. <laughs> um, I was not doing incredibly well in those courses. I was doing okay. Um, but, uh, one of the only things that I'm really grateful to COVID for was that uh, it made that end of term really significantly easier for me to to like complete yeah. because it was such a weird situation where um, we had some tests and assignments still remaining, some that weren't. And so uh, a lot of things moved online, but they didn't get particularly more difficult than they would have been if they were in person because people didn't really know how online classes were working yet. Yeah. Um, and I would say like, the online assessments and tests and things we had after COVID happened, besides those that just got canceled outright, um, were like way easier. Um, and so I, I got very lucky, I think, in that sense to get into the program that I was kind of on the fringe of getting into to begin with. Um, and once I was into it, um, that was like, I would say, I was like, okay, now I'm set on this field. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, and so second year was, I was back home in Kingston with my family um, and then uh, doing classes online, not really loving it, but kind of really getting interested in the world of tech and kind of like um, wanting to be in that tech space and, and with those companies. And I started looking into uh, startups. Um, and so when kind of February, March came around, I started applying to as many kind of internships as I could for that summer. Um, with CS, it's really interesting because it's it's a field that is so heavily like internship focused because it just kind of, the, the field allows itself for, um, you know, that kind of a position, um, those four positions really easily because you have someone, you know, who can add value to a company by coding and can come in um, for a short period of time. And so I had looked at stuff for, for a second year um, and second year I ended up applying to, uh, I want to say like 80, four or 85, somewhere like that, internships at, at like various companies. Um, and I heard back from two um, and got to like the second round and then got rejected. Um, and then the other internship that I had, like wasn't even really an internship, the one I ended up doing for that summer was came from just messaging someone on Reddit actually. Um, two guys had posted and said they were doing a startup and were doing a um, like kind of this finance app they wanted to create. And I was like, hey, do you need people to like jump on board with that? I would love to do it. And they offered me like an online internship and I did that. Um, and so I would say that that like, and I was at a company called Utradia and doing that that summer at a small startup in a small team, I would say gave me really the groundwork to understand like how, um, 
how do I get into this field and what do I do? Um, and once I had that on my resume as well, that also helped for the next year where I again applied to like 75 to 85 places. Um, you know, I was on doing all the typical things on LinkedIn, messaging recruiters, like all the classic stuff you see. Like I was, but I would say I was fanatic about it. Like I was like neglecting school and prioritizing that um, because it was like, like this is all that matters because as soon as I can hit a benchmark like that, then I'm in. Yeah. Um, I knew I just, and, and the other thing for me was because I'm someone who values those things like social skills and is not as strong in academics. Um, I was like, I just need to get my foot in the door and, and talk to these people and, and show them who I am and yeah. then I can do it. But I, I was, I was struggling as well, even when I would get first round interviews because with CS it's like first round is a technical interview. Um, and my technical side of things is like average at best. Um, and I, I knew that like, I needed to get to a place where I could talk to a person um, mm -hmm. and I would be a leg up on a lot of people who aren't very extroverted in that field and who, who don't have those skills. So I knew that I was trying to balance that, which wasn't really easy. And of course, the bigger thing is you have these huge companies where you're sending a resume in and they're getting hundreds of thousands of resumes. Like what are the chances that yours gets picked? Absolutely. And after messaging, you know, hundreds of recruiters, most of whom did not reply on LinkedIn, one who gave me kind of a bite, but not really, um, I ended up getting an interview with one team at Tesla got through three rounds of interviews and got rejected at the last stage. Oh. Um, and I was like, like devastated yeah. um, because not only was like Tesla a big company, but it's actually one that like is of particular interest to me. Like I particularly was fond of what they were doing and found it very interesting. Um, and so I was very disappointed and then kind of, you know, tried to apply to more things in the new year. And eventually um, I got a random call at like 10 30 PM and it was like, Hey, I'm so-and-so calling from Tesla. We wanted to, you know, be interested in you want to interview for the the cell uh cell engineering team and i was like cell engineering like like what like i was like yes right like i had no idea what he was talking about but i was like absolutely um and i talked to the team and it was really interesting because it was very much more a manufacturing team like talking about building the batteries but i was like i don't really know anything about that i think it's really cool um i'm sure software and computer and skills that i have could apply to that um yeah i would love to do it and and i talked to the team and the particular team that i interviewed with was a team that I would say had a philosophy that is a lot like mine. A team right. that felt that, you know, people skills and working with people is so much more important than the technical skills, even more so because in that manufacturing environment, you have a lot of people who are really, really good at manufacturing and um, don't know a lot about the data side or the number side or the technical side. And you have a lot of people who are really good at data that really can't talk to people. And so they, they like having that bridge was something that was very like beneficial, I came to learn. Um, and so, but getting picked from that pile, I would say, was really just luck. Like getting, like having, like certainly effort to go and apply to all of these places and to go and message all these people. But at the end of the day, that's not even what got me um, into there. It was really like, like, I, and I talked to my manager about this after. I was like, like, like genuinely, like, like once I had finished the internship, like, like, can you tell me, like, how did that even happen? And he's like, it, you want me to be honest with you? Like, we just happened to pull your resume from the pile. Wow. So. Luck. <laughs> and volume. Volume too. Volume and luck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess. Um, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. And Very long-winded answer to, to a simple question. No, that's a, <laughs> that's a good story. And you were down there in Austin for the summer. I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was, was cool. Yeah. yeah. Was, was there an opportunity to go anywhere else or is it like, no, we're sending you here? It was there. Yeah. Um, that's where the team was. Um, that's where things were ramping. Um, 
Tesla had done their kind of test facility in California for making new batteries, and they were really ramping up and building this brand new facility down in Texas, Giga Texas, um, which is like something like the second biggest building in the world by volume or something. It's wow. so cool. Um, and that was surreal. Like, like that is my office, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And so going there for the first time, and, and again, none of it felt real. None of it ever felt real. Like it didn't feel real on day one, didn't feel real on day two. It still doesn't yeah. feel real. Yeah. Um, to know that like this company that I particularly loved and like followed and whatever is actually a company that I work for. Um, but I would say that that also drove me to like really, really care about it and really want to succeed and really want to put, put value into that company because I cared so much about it. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was really interesting um, when I got down there. I mean, I've never, certainly never lived, you know, further than Toronto to Kingston by mm -hmm. myself, right? I was living 2,000 kilometers from home in a whole different country. I had to deal with, like, immigration yeah. and, like, housing in a state that, like, you know, Texas is Texas. Yeah, like, it's yeah, also, yeah, yeah. it was such a weird experience, but such a great experience that I was very, very lucky to have because I, I, I like, I had no, um, no experience in that field at all. And, like, now I can be like, okay, like, I'm a little more comfortable with that kind of situation. Like, what is it like to, to have to go and move somewhere and live by yourself and, um, you know, be self-sufficient in some sense, but it also, I would say, uh, certainly made university tougher because now I feel like I've gotten a taste, right? Absolutely. Where it's like, wow, this is what I could be doing. Yeah. I love this. Why um, am I in the walls of Robarts right now? <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the tough part. Yeah. 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 Would you say there was a big culture shock compared to from like Austin to Toronto? Is there like, what are the key differences? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, not really. No. Um, there were certainly like things that were noticeable, um, like uh, I would say more like, you know, but like Canadian to American things, right? Like, I I, like, I don't yeah, know, yeah. just like, just like um, mannerisms and, and just like how you, you know, strangers talk to people, how you interact with people, how you walk on the street, like small things like that. Yeah. Um, certainly the weather was the biggest one. Um, like Austin was so... Uh, so hot, like it was like 40 degrees Celsius. Oh, jeez. Um, and of course, you know, it was all Fahrenheit down there, so they'd be like, "Oh, it's yeah. this," and I'd be like, "It's what?" And I'd <laughs> check. So that's a gap. But yeah. no, it was it was it was cool. I mean, Austin isn't very like Texas compared to you know rural Texas. Um, Austin is very like urban. And it's a big like university city, which is kind of cool. Um, but and I got to meet a lot of other interns down there, which was great. But like, no, like the team was. I mean. Um, it's actually interesting how I would say not drastically different it was. Like, I mean, human beings are human beings, and and you had, they had people there that were, were coming from all over. Like, like I'm my, I had like even within my small team of ten, it was like someone was from um, the UK and someone was from um, China and someone was from like it was just so interesting because at the end of the day, like we were all just human beings wanting to contribute to this goal um, and working together to do it. And I found that so exhilarating and so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Does uh does Elon acquiring Twitter make your job much harder? <laughs> um, does that no. cause any headaches in the office? Uh, no, it causes discussions in the office. Discussions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's certainly something that was that was talked about before it happened, right? Where it was like everyone was like, "Oh, this should be interesting, right? Like, yeah. what's, right? Like, just like the rest of the world is, right? Like, Absolutely. like what's going to happen now? How is this person going to run multiple companies? Um, but I would say like. If I hadn't read the news, if I hadn't known he acquired Twitter and I was still working at Tesla, I wouldn't have known any different. No. Like, no. That's good. No. That's smooth. Yeah. And yeah. I would say, I would say it's interesting because a company like Tesla, like I would say in other companies, 
maybe even more so that would be the case because I feel like a lot of companies, the CEO is pretty far removed from mm -hmm. the ground operations. Um, and I know it's something that Elon gets a lot of flack for, for being like a little too pushy and a little too, like not within the company, but just in the general public and yeah. hands on about. Um, but I think it's one of the things that has made Tesla so successful is that, you know, the CEO is actually like on the floor, actually like, like understands the problems that are being experienced, actually talking to workers. Like they're not, you know, six corporate levels removed from the person, like sending them, you know, um, emails written by various other people that they pretend is by them. So yeah. I, I think his candidness and his um, approach is really, is really great because it brings him closer to like ground level. Um, but I, I also think he's not so close that um, him being, you know, preoccupied with a lot of other uh, responsibilities, like hit um, that kind of, uh, you know, success of the company in any particular way that was noticeable to me, you know, way down the food chain. hundred so, percent. Yeah. So, what is next for Callan Murphy? You got a fifth year coming, right? I got a fifth year. Fifth yep. year. And after that, what's what's the plan? Yeah, good question. Um, uh, at this stage, it's get the hell out of here as fast as I can. <laughs> yeah. um, this this summer, actually, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be going to Fremont, California, um, still with Tesla, but at the the other facility, the, awesome. the facility at, that kind of spawned Giga Texas. So um, a great team down there, people that I've worked with online for some time when I was down in Texas. And also I actually got to meet some of them down there. Um, so I'm going there for the summer. So that's, first of all, I got to figure out housing there and housing here next. That's the top of my mind right now. But, yeah. and then after next year, when I, uh, fingers crossed, graduate and get out of here, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's really just trying to, um, get into a field where I feel like I can make the largest difference, um, on the biggest scale. Uh, and I think, as it stands right now, um, Tesla is a pretty good way for me to continue like getting into that area um, and continue to contribute in that way. I think that um, Tesla is a company that is really impacting um, a large, large amount of uh, the population. Like I, I really think one of the biggest things is trying for me is a philosophy on life is trying to contribute to humanity uh, in in any way I can. Like if I you know if I put the if I put one bolt in a rocket that lands on Mars, that to me is like, I made an incredibly meaningful comp like contribution to the success of humanity. Um, and so I think it's really just trying to get my hands and solve the problems and use my skill set to help humanity solve its toughest problems. Um, I think some of the toughest problems include climate change. I think some of the pro toughest problems include like, what are we doing on earth? Like underpopulation, overpopulation, like, um, like poverty and hunger and all these issues where it's like, like certainly a lot of these things have existed for so long, but I think our world is so interesting today because it's more connected than ever. Um, and so it's trying to figure out how, how can I in my, you know, small, infinitesimally small, um, you know, existence in, in a, in a, on a rock in the universe, yeah. be able to make some sort of a difference that will be beneficial to as many people as possible. Um, and everyone will have a different philosophy on that. But for me, it's to try to contribute to those ongoing projects or those, um, you know, ongoing issues in any way that I can. And I think as it stands right now, my skill set will best uh, continue to accelerate me towards, um, you know, being being part of that push at Tesla that'll that'll help to, you know, accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy, but also um, potentially trying to get in the door at SpaceX as well. And how can we, you know, push ourselves even beyond those limits and go, you know, 
go where no man has gone before, I guess is the, the quote from Star Trek. But, yeah. you know, try to try to really, you know, push humanity to that next stage. Um, I think it's I think it's there's really no bigger goal than that. Um, and in a way, it really kind of circles back to my interests and my, you know, for, even from high school in astrophysics and then computer science. It's a really good in between for me. So I, I really I would say as it stands right now, maybe that's my end goal. But I certainly uh, I certainly would say that's. You asked me a year ago, I would have said something different. A year later, I'll probably say something different too. So completely. Yeah. And a reason I respect you so much is that you, I, I've for the longest time, I've I've been listening to entrepreneurs lately. You know, just for yep. sort of inspiration, guidance, and the idea of maybe working on like a Bay Street one day, working in that sector yep. has has been interesting to me. Yep. And it's like I want to you know achieve my full potential in terms of you know earning and maybe providing a good life for my family, whether it's kids wife, parents, even, you know, yep. um, and it's, it's very, I guess, almost self-centered, like personal success, but something that, that you're doing that I've kind of been having like a moral dilemma with is how can I also make a big contribution to just, just like you said, the goodness of humanity right, and, right. and who really is more successful? Is it, is it a millionaire who's obviously I'm sure there's a lot of good that you can do on, on a Bay street or something like that for the world, but Who's would you consider them more successful than than a doctor who's obviously earning less yeah. in Canada especially but also saving lives so yeah 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 no I know it's, and, it's hard you yeah know? yeah and again I'm not gonna you know sit here and pretend that I'm you know incredibly selfless in those ambitions like certainly being in those fields or being in those sectors and working for those companies generate an incredible amount of revenue and yeah. also like certainly will allow me to provide for my family alongside all those things like you know i'm certainly not giving up everything i have no no 100 yeah. you know and some people are doing that so like like fully commend that but i i think i think it's actually we're very lucky to live in a world where you can be compensated for helping to solve some of the biggest problems of humanity and some you don't right like like certainly like um, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of people trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems, they aren't that, you know, financially feasible and, or like financially, um, you know, profitable to the people working in those mm -hmm. sectors. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I can't, I also can't, I can't leave here without giving a hot take too. So I gotta, I gotta give a hot take about Elon, Let's hear uh, it. and defend myself against the Bay. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, I think one of the biggest things for me, cause this is related to, to what we're talking about, which is. Um, for a long time, like Warren Buffett was looked at as like, look at this incredibly successful person. Like this is one of the richest people in the world. Yeah. Um, Jeff Bezos as well. Um, when I was a teenager and like you, I also looked into a lot of entrepreneurs and, and things in that sector. And, uh, I found it very interesting. Like it's certainly, it's interesting to look at like who are the wealthiest people and what are they doing? Mm -hmm. Um, and when Elon became the wealthiest person by net worth, um, I was, I was incredibly grateful in this. And I, I said this to, uh, actually I had an, an Uber driver when I was down in Austin and the Uber drivers like, um, cause I had to dr get out to the facility and I would have an Uber driver pick me up and drive me to my place. And they'd always go, Oh, you know, like they tell me, they'd be asking about Tesla or they talk about Elon. And the one, the one person said to me, they were like, uh, you know, like, I think it's so interesting. Like, I'm so, I'm so happy that like he is the wealthiest person as opposed to some of these other people we've seen before. And I said, um, I said, me too. This is this is something that I've kind of thought about. Is uh, would I rather tell my children that uh, the wealthiest person in the world, the way that you can make the absolute most money, is being a king, is inheriting the money, mm -hmm. or would I rather say it's by you know, um, you know, crunching crunching numbers and looking at fundamentals of other corporations and betting on them, like yeah. Warren Buffett does. Yeah. Um, 
or would I rather say it's someone who's trying to trying their best to advance humanity, um, trying their best to push humanity into its future as fast and as successfully as possible. Someone who is trying to change the world, someone who is hands-on solving problems, someone who is not just a, an economist or a financial expert, but someone who is an engineer, someone who, who actually is trying to solve those problems, um, and someone who really has their hands in everything and is, and is incredibly ambitious in really, really caring about the future of humanity. Um, and whether, whether, you know, whether we, we want to acknowledge that today or not, I, I still believe that uh, that is an admirable goal. Um, and, and I think it's, it's very, it's very, it's something that I'm very, like I, I often think about the fact that telling children or telling future generations about this idea of wealth of who should we aspire to be like. And certainly there are things about, uh, I don't think I'm gonna tie this to personality or tie this to you know certain characteristics that someone has but certainly in the industry that those people are in i'm i'm very grateful that someone with uh the a, a particular approach to um contributing to humanity that elon has is the wealthiest person as opposed to you know um uh oil and gas giant uh uh, uh you know a king who inherited wealth yeah, like again yeah. I, I just think it's so interesting who who acquires the most wealth and why he I personally believe that he's a man of purpose. I don't think he doesn't seem too financially driven. That's the thing. Yeah. He knows obviously that the money's going to come yep. with the things he's doing, but he, he does seem very centered on, like you said, the advancement of, of humanity. And I think he's actually giving purpose to people who might be worried about the state of the earth that what if we could yeah. go somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. No, it's a huge thing. I mean, a few days ago, Tesla did their investor day thing and, uh, it was a really good down-to-earth chat. I would encourage anybody to check it out, especially if they're interested in climate change um, and like the issues that we face. Because um, Drew Baglino and, and Elon um, got on stage and they said, look, um, yes, Tesla's about electric vehicles, but Tesla's about a lot more than that. Tesla is about transitioning the entire planet to sustainable energy. Um, and, and how can we do that? Is it feasible? And uh, Elon kind of said, I, I really want to leave people with a sense of optimism. It's very mm -hmm. easy to be, you know, pessimistic about the future of the world. Um, and it's very easy, you know, for that to impact your life or how you approach things. And certainly it can drive you to want to change the world and want to improve it, which is good. But I think uh, that presentation was really interesting for them to say, there is hope. Look what you can do. Look at these, you know, when you crunch the numbers, when we, when we talk about where we're going, when we talk about how we can project the future and how we can advance humanity, let's look at what we have achieved, where we are going, and what we still need to do to get there and what hard work is still there. But let's, let's try to approach it from a different angle and try to really push, push ourselves to be um, the, best, the best human race that we possibly could be. I completely agree. That's, that's good to hear. That's great to hear. We'll, uh, we'll end with one last topic. Vic Hockey, are we winning the championship? I think that's a given. Are we taking it home? Um, Probably. You know, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Medicine will be the tough one. Medicine's, you know, medicine's up there. Um, it's an 11 p.m. game. You never know who's gonna show up for it. We'll but see. Uh, I think I think we can get it. I like your chances. Yeah, yeah. Any final thoughts for the people at home? Um, no, I think uh, all I would say is you know keep keep. Uh, keep pushing towards whatever your personal goal might be. I think a lot of people uh, have very different philosophies on life. And I think that's one of the important things about humanity is that we don't all have the same philosophy on life. So even if, you know, um, my personal goal is like, I want to do this particular thing. Um, I think if everyone did have the same philosophy as me, world would be terrible. Um, I think, I think we need people who 
look at things differently. We need people who approach things differently. And I would encourage everyone to, um, to talk to people who have differing views from you, who would talk, talk to people, listen to people, watch podcasts, watch things from, uh, that have different political perspectives from you, that have different personal perspectives from you. Um, I think the only way that you can kind of develop your own personal philosophy on the world is if you have heard every stance and you have learned from as many other people's perspectives as you can. Um, and at the end of the day, some of it won't even come from other people. It'll just come from yourself. Um, and I think, you know, have faith in yourself to be, uh, to be confident in your own perspective and know that it doesn't matter even if you're on that ship alone, um, that that ship is still, is still going to float. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good having you. Everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Thank you. Thanks, Carter. Awesome. That was fun. Okay. That okay. was good. Holy. I should have got you a water bottle. I'm no, so sorry. <laughs>